October is Fire Safety Month. So we're doing a multi-part series on all fire-related activities. Welcome to the show where we tackle the, the tough questions submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, even IT personnel, sometimes customers. On this show, we are connecting at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube and you like this content, would you please mind hitting the subscribe button and the bell button to be notified when new content is being created? If you're listening to us on one of the audio platforms like iTunes or Google Play, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? Those two simple little steps helps us take on the algorithm so that we can educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of people in the ICT industry. Thursday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live after hours with Chuck Bowser RCDD, where you get to ask your favorite RCDD questions about installation, design, estimation, project management, even career advice. But I can hear you now. Chuck, I'm driving home on Thursday at 6 p.m. I can't watch the video. They're recorded and they're put on uh, YouTube and also the, the webpage at letstalkcabling.com. Questions that submitted early at questions at letstalkcabling.com get preference. Finally, while we do provide this content free of charge, and we always will, if you would like to support this channel and have access to additional information, Check out our QR code that's on the screen right now. You can, there you can buy me a cup of coffee. And if you buy me a cup of coffee, you'll get some stickers. Or you can even schedule a one-on-one 15-minute -on -one Zoom call with me. After hours, of course. You can also become a Patreon member and enjoy additional benefits. You can even visit our Amazon link page on the website where you can see products for the information communication technologies industry. You won't pay any extra but I will get a small little stipend if you do. And finally, we are accepting applications for corporate sponsorships. So if you want to help support our mission, if you want to help educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of people in this industry, contact me on one of the social media platforms, or you can even send me an email at chuck at letstalkcabling.com. October is Fire Safety Month. And specifically, the weekend of October 9th is the National Fire Prevention Week. During this time, we should spend time to raise the awareness of what we can do to help limit the loss of life, damage to property, and also raise awareness to professionals in the information communication technology industry. Now, I have a keen interest in fire and fire safety for many reasons. The first reason, and probably the most important one, is I lost a family member to a residential fire about two, two decades ago. Her house caught on fire in the middle of the night. She tried to escape from the heat and the smoke by retreating to the bathroom. They found her lifeless body laying in the tub after they extinguished the fire. Another reason why I'm interested in fire safety is when I lived in Maryland, I served as a volunteer firefighter and EMT 
for Engine Company 11 in Prince George's County. While most of my calls were medical emergencies and motor vehicle accidents, I have witnessed the damage and the loss of life that most of the time could have been avoided if somebody had just taken a couple steps towards fire safety. Nobody knows who invented the fire hydrant. You know, the fire department connects to that device that's on the street side, and they run water through the fire engine, because the original patent was destroyed, get this, in a fire. (laughs) Yeah. President Calvin Coolidge proclaimed in 1925 that this week should commemorate the Great Chicago Fire. Now, that event killed approximately about 300 people, and it lasted from October 8th to October 10th in 1871. They estimated about 3.3 square miles of that city were destroyed, in which included 17,000 structural buildings and left more than 100,000 people homeless. On that 40th anniversary, they proclaimed that same week every week to be National Fire Prevention Week as a way to keep the public informed of the importance of fire prevention. During a five-year period between 2015 and 2019, there were almost 114,000 fires in commercial structures. You know, anything other than a residential building. If you add those residential fires to it, another 377,000 buildings caught on fire. In that same time period, 107 people died in those commercial buildings, resulting in about $3.2 billion in damage. Now, the good news is, because of these efforts, such as the National Fire Prevention Week, we continue to see a decline in these types of events and people losing their lives. But we can't rest on our laurels. So first, let's talk about fire. Fire is a chemical reaction that releases heat and light. You hear all the time about the, the fire triangle. You know, the triangle has three sides, and so does the three components which a fire needs, which are fuel, oxygen, and heat in order to burn. But you also need a chemical reaction. So really, it's a fire tetrahydrin is more accurate. Now, if a fire has a stable source of fuel and stable source of oxygen, that fire will double in size every 60 to 90 seconds. Think about that. 60 to 90 seconds. A fire can spread through conduction, convection, or radiation. Let's take a look at each of those three and how they affect us in the ICT industry. The first is conduction. Conduction is any type of metal which can absorb and transfer the heat. Anything that could do conduction, they're said to be thermal conductors. An easy example is a cast iron pan. We heat the bottom of that pan to cook our food. But if we leave the bottom of that pan exposed to heat long enough, that heat will work its way all the way up into the handle and could potentially burn you. Now, in the ICT industry, one of the biggest concerns to us is metallic conduits and metallic sleeves. Metallic sleeves that penetrate a wall. If a sleeve penetrates that wall and one side is exposed to direct flame contact, because of the thermal conductivity of that metallic sleeve, that heat will be transferred through the wall to the other room. Secondly, convection. Convection is the circular motion that happens when something warmer, some warmer air, some warmer liquid, which by the way has fast-moving molecules, it makes it less dense. And because it's less dense, it tends to rise. The cooler ones will actually fall down towards the ground. Now, if we don't fire stop floor penetrations, what this means is the heat and the smoke 
can rise through to the upper levels of the building. An additional concern here is that the heat and the smoke and the toxic off fumes will accumulate in the upper parts of that room, making it necessary for people to escape a fire by staying as low to the ground as they can get. How far below the ceiling the heat and the smoke will go just kind of depends on the severity of the fire. The more severe the fire, the more hot it will be towards the floor. So by addressing these three simple things in ICT industry, we can help keep those upper floors safe and, more importantly, provide additional time for people to egress, meaning get out of, that building and allow the, the firefighters more time to ingress into the building. Now, smoke inhalation is the number one cause of death in most building fires. There's two events that are really attributed to our fire stopping portion of our industry. The first one is the MGM Grand Fire in 1980. It killed 85 people. Now, the fire started when an electrical circuit in the kitchen shorted out, and it started to spread into the casino part of the floor. Now, it ignited the glue that melted the ornamental metal ceiling tiles to the ceiling. The majority of those people who died in that event died of smoke inhalation on floors two and above, even though the fire only took place on the first floor. And that was because the smoke rose through all those penetrations made by cabling and other building elements because they were not fire stopped. Now, this event is also the one that raised our awareness in the industry about the importance of fire stopping. Another incident, which you also hear attributed to fire stopping in our industry, is the Meridian One Plaza fire. It happened in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It was a 12-alarm blaze that occurred during February of 1991. What happened was a contractor left a pile of linseed oil-soaked rags in a vacant office on the 22nd floor. Now, because of uh, an incomplete smoke detector system or incomplete smoke detector coverage in that building, the fire was not discovered until it was pretty well advanced. In fact, a passerby notified the fire department of the fire by a payphone. By that point, the fire was already raging. Now, heavy smoke conditions in the stairwell hampered the suppression efforts, and three firefighters lost their lives. You know, the last way, I forgot to mention this, the last way that a fire can spread is through radiation. Fire can spread through radiation when heat spreads from fire through electromagnetic waves in the air if it reaches out in every direction. An easy example to think about fire radiation is like when you're sitting around a campfire. You're feeling the heat from the campfire via radiation. The closer you get to the fire, the hotter you're going to get. The bigger the fire, the hotter you're going to get. If you want to cool off, you just pull back a little bit. Well, in a building fire, that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? Now, when that heat reaches an object, that object will absorb that heat and basically it'll keep absorbing that heat until it catches on fire or until it burns somebody. If this is a building element, it could potentially raise that temperature of the material until it reaches what's called the auto-ignition point. Auto-ignition point. That's the point in which that building element or whatever that material is will catch on fire without any spark or any combustion agent. That is why when you see a fire department putting out a house fire in a neighborhood where the houses are extremely close together, while one or more of the host teams will work on putting out the active fire in that building, another host team 
will spray water on the adjacent building exterior wall. Thus, the water will absorb that heat and it reduces the auto ignition point of that, of that material. So that way the fire doesn't spread to the neighbor's house through radiation. So auto ignition point is literally the temperature that something can get exposed to where it will catch on fire without any ignition source. The auto ignition point for a newspaper is about 450 degrees. What that means is if you heat up a room to a temperature of 455 degrees, those newspapers will catch on fire by themselves without being any kind of spark or ignition source. Most materials have an auto ignition point. The average temperature in a room that is on fire can range from 100 degrees at the floor level up to about 600 degrees at eye level and to as potentially as high as 1500 degrees. If you want to inhale this type of, if you want to, if you inhale this type of superheated hot air, it's going to scorch your lungs. It could even melt clothes to your skin and that's a painful burn. Now let's shift our conversation to the ways that a fire can be extinguished. Remember that the fire triangle that we talked about earlier, again, if you don't remember, they are fuel, heat, and oxygen. There's going to be a test later. That's a clue about how you can put out a fire. If by eliminating any one of these three things, you can remove the fuel source either by exhausting it or taking it away. And if you do that, for example, look at it this way. If you have a bundle of cables going through a ceiling, and then they penetrate through a fire stop and go to the next room. If that bundle of cables are on fire, when it hits that fire stop, you are removing the fuel for the fire. Thus, putting out the fire by removing the fuel. It won't go through that fire stop system to get into that next room. You can also remove the oxygen from the room to starve out that fire. Now, many fire suppression systems in data centers have exactly this type of fire suppression system. These systems will place a, a gas into the room, usually nitrogen or argon, sometimes maybe even a mixture of both, into that room. And what it does is it displaces the oxygen level down to a below the normal 12%. You get it down low enough, then that fire can't go anymore. Now, this is going to take somewhere between 30 seconds up and up to two minutes to get that oxygen level down that low. Data centers used to use halon suppression systems. They were the predominantly used source for many, many years. They were really used where there was a need where you didn't want to use a water-based system to put out the fire. But the scientists have discovered that halon systems deplete ozone, and such they were phased out. Now, those types of systems are still in use today are ones that were grandfathered in. They were installed before they were driven out. And those will probably be replaced during the, the next renovation of the data center. The last way to extinguish a fire is to remove the heat through by absorbing it with water. Now, water is fed into the engine, again, from that fire hydrant that we don't know who created it because the patent got burned up, into that engine. And the engine high-pressurizes that water and pushes it out through the hose. Now, the firefighters have a, a knob on the end of their hose. That, hob can be either a, that, that knob can either be a straight stream or a fog nozzle. Most structural fires, though, they tend to use fog nozzles. A fog nozzle will produce a heavy, large mist of water sprayed out of that nozzle at about a 45-degree angle. Those droplets will then absorb the heat of the room, which puts out the fire. Straight nozzles 
They're generally used to extinguish fires where it's going to be difficult to get to that source because it's too far away or because of some kind of obstruction or maybe because of the heat it gets too hot. In this scenario, we need to make sure that the water doesn't migrate to the floors below and cause more damage. One method that we use is when we put in our sleeves that go through the floor penetrations, they need to make sure that they extend above the concrete surface of the floor. So that way water just doesn't run down to the floors below it and damage the people below, the equipment below. Now, when customers come up with their fire safety protocols, they should make sure that those protocols contain these three elements, detection, suppression, and compartmentation. Now, generally, we won't be involved in the detection process unless you or your company is installing fire alarm systems. Then you are. We function pre predominantly under containment by stopping that fire, like through products like sleeves and, and floor penetrations, we are containing the heat and the smoke to a smaller area, thus slowing down the spread of fire and allowing the occupants more time to egress and get out of that building. Now, the first step to becoming proficient in this is to seek out training. Putting in drywall putty with a little red food dye is not a listed fire stop system. And it could actually result in you, you personally, being held responsible. Now, many of the manufacturers do offer fire stop training. And some of those trainings are really good, and some of them are okay. I have sat through the Hilti fire stop training. And when I was at Hinkles and McCoy, I was trained to be the fire stop instructor for Hilti for the company. Other great classes include STI. Now, STI has a great class, and they also have a podcast, which, by the way, I recommend you do subscribe to it. I am only aware of only one online fire stopping class. If you do me a favor, if you know of another one, make sure you put it in the comments. Make sure you email me, because I'm only aware of one. I'm always getting asked about fire stopping classes. And the only one that I know is through Unique Fire Stop Systems. Unique Fire Stop Systems, they're a very they're a very unique company, hence the name Unique Fire Stop Systems. Now, they have an online course where you work your way through a series of videos, and then you take a test at the end, and then you become a certified installer. If you have not taken any classes on fire stopping, I highly suggest that you recommend to whoever is in charge of the training for your company that you say, hey, we need the fire stop training. Again, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the majority of those classes are free. How often do you hear those two words together? Free training. If the company doesn't want to send you to training, then as I mentioned, at minimum, you can watch that online course. Now, I hope this one episode that I've done enlightened you on the, the dangers of fire and, and maybe why we should do our due diligence to protect, at minimum, people's lives and ultimately also property. Now, the rest of the episodes this month are going to deal with this subject as well. We're going to cover things like mechanical fire stops, non-mechanical fire stops. What is a, uh, how are they tested? What is a UL document number? And how do you decipher that UL document number? If there's a particular subject in the fire stopping area that you want to make sure that I cover, make sure that you contact me either through one of the social media platforms or maybe even email. And I'll make sure that we good. I may even try to line up some interviews with some manufacturers and some experts in this field as well. But that brings a little bit more importance to the light. It just all depends if they have time. 
So as you can tell, this is a subject that I'm very passionate about and is my sincerest desire is to hopefully ignite a, a fire in your sense of awareness on this subject. And maybe, maybe just hopefully you're going to want to learn more and become a, a better, a more competent installer when it comes to Firestop systems, whether you're an installer, a designer, or even a project manager. This could literally save somebody's life. It's going to be a fun month. And let me know if you want to learn anything between now and the end of this month. So until next time, remember this, knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.